You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. I'd like to open up with a verse here in Revelation. It's chapter 12, verse 11. For those who want to follow along, uh, 12th chapter of Revelations, the 11th verse. And it says, They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they did not love their lives to the point of death. So you can see here by this scripture that the enemy is defeated by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So I'd like to encourage you today uh, to really take that truth and carry it with you. There's power in the testimony that God has given us. So praise God. And by His grace today, I'd like to share my testimony and claim victory in Jesus' name. Like many of us, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents taught me to read the Word of God, but my church experience, I came to realize later in life, would be best described as legalism. I really viewed the Bible as a list of rules and regulations that I had to keep in order to gain favor from God. And I viewed this, and, and as I tried to, to keep all these commandments, it, honestly, the harder I tried, the worse it got. And when I didn't meet the mark, I would simply hide uh, the mistakes, the failures, the sin in my life to appear righteous to others that were around me. But God, who is rich in mercy, began to get my attention and to reveal the truth in his word that would set me free. And I'd like to share some of those truths with you today. If you would turn to Romans chapter 3. In the 20th verse of this third chapter, he begins to proclaim these powerful truths. He said, For no one will be justified in his sight by the works of the law. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I remember one time in particular that I had an opportunity to share my faith. I was working at a tree nursery at the time, and, and a man got injured on the job. It wasn't a serious injury but he got cut to the point he needed stitches. 
And so they asked me to drive him to the nearest hospital. So it was about a 30-minute drive. And this man could only speak Spanish. So they spent, sent another man with us that could translate. And I remember thinking to myself, I've got a captivated audience. I've got 30 minutes here cooped up in a car, and they can't escape me. And so I thought, I'm going to share my faith with them. And so I you know, led him with a real profound opening, uh, do you go to church? And uh, of course he said, yeah, I do. And, and I asked him, I said, well, where do you go to church? And he said, I've actually uh, started a church here so that the, the Spanish-speaking people would have a place to worship. And, and I was really moved by that, so I asked him uh, a question. What do you preach? And I distinctly remember in my mind that if he would have asked me the same, I would have been prepared with what I would have responded with. I would have probably began with the Ten Commandments, and, you know, as a Christian, this is what we don't do, and this is what we do do, and just begin to run down that list from the Word of God. But when I asked him, I said, what do you preach? His response was profound. He said, Christ crucified. And I was so struck by this. There was such power in it that I began to realize that, that I didn't have anything to share but the weight of the law. <clears throat> you see, Christ crucified is the good news. He came to fulfill all of the law perfectly. And just before he was crucified on the cross for our sins, he proclaimed, it is finished. Wow. The scriptures are very clear that we are not saved by our works or keeping of the law. Rather, our salvation is a gift from God and we're saved by his grace. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, a few verses there I'd like to share with you, that these things would settle deep into our hearts and our minds. It's the second chapter of Ephesians, verse 8 through 10. He says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works, so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Wow, that's powerful. Even the good things that we do in our life is a gift from God that he's already prepared him for us to perform for his honor and glory. As a result of my sinful lifestyle, God really had to get my attention. After years of living in dishonesty, I found myself separated from God, my wife, and my sons. During our separation, I had an encounter with a Christian man, um, and I call these things like a divine appointment. <clears throat> I walked into the barber shop I'd been going to for many years, and I guess I maybe didn't have the normal smile, I guess, and, and he sensed there was something wrong in my life, and so he asked me what's wrong, and, and I, honestly, I just kind of dumped my life story on him, and, and his, his response was full of grace and truth. 
He told me that I needed to turn to God in repentance. And that's exactly what I did. I went home and I just cried out to God in prayer and asked for forgiveness and put my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. By God's grace, He saved me and performed a miracle to reconcile my marriage. God began to make all things new, and He reconciled Christine, my wife, and I together again. And uh, Just as a testimony of God's power, I'm living proof. He, we've now been happily married for 23 years. And so I'm living proof of this truth that I'd like to share with you in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, uh, verse 17 through 20 here, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. Take notice that when we are saved by God, he then gives us the task of reconciling people to him. As I was pondering and praying about what to share today, as this pressed on my heart, it just began to, to, to sink into my mind that God is so great, so powerful, that it's not near big enough for him to just save me or you. He, he has a plan of salvation to redeem a people from, from all nations. He wants everyone to come to repentance. And so from that moment on, he gave me a strong passion to share the good news of the gospel and the power of salvation that transforms lives just as it had mine. There is a verse in Jeremiah that I like to share that describes how I feel often. This is in the 20th chapter of, of Jeremiah, verse 9. And just to give you a little context, this is the prophet Jeremiah. And he'd been declaring the words of God as given to him. And he'd grown a little bit frustrated because they weren't listening. So chapter 20, verse 9 here. He says, I won't mention him or speak any longer in his name. But his message becomes a fire burning in my heart, shut up in my bones, 
And I became tired of holding it in, and I cannot prevail. In our newfound relationship together in the Lord, my wife and I began to seek God with prayer and fasting. How that we would live out this calling he had placed on our lives to share the gospel through the ministry of reconciliation, as Paul proclaimed. We had seen the power of God to redeem, to save, to transform, and to reconcile. And during this season of fasting and prayer, there was a frequent prayer that we would cry out to God. Here in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, verse 8. Eighth verse of the sixth chapter, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who should I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. So that was our frequent prayer during this season. And you know, when you cry out to God and you align your heart with His will and, and just open your hands to to let him have his way, buckle up. You know, sometimes his timing's not our timing. But God has great things in store. And God answered our prayers by leading us here to northwest Arkansas. As um, Matt mentioned, we were from Oklahoma originally. But as we moved up here, he began to place godly people in our lives who shared this passion to fulfill the Great Commission, just like the Patterson family and many others. And God blessed us with opportunities to go overseas to share the good news of the gospel. And with each opportunity, he confirmed our calling to go. You see, it's the heart of God to redeem people from all nations. I'd like for us to consider Jesus' final words. I know we've heard this many times, but the weight of them, because it was his final words to those that followed him, in Matthew 28, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Although I knew God was calling us to live out the Great Commission, in my mind it felt like there was mountains that had to be moved. If we were to go to all nations, I wasn't sure how that would work, me working a full-time job and providing for my family. <clears throat> With a degree in accounting, God had blessed us and allowed us here, and I, I worked at a bank for the five years that we were here. But that last year, just this past year, it was one of the most stressful years of my life, and it really got to the point it was taking a toll on me, and my wife really just advised me to quit. It was that bad. It was just like, you know, this, I don't believe you need to continue in this. It was a really stressful environment. 
uh, we had went through an acquisition, and so a lot of change, and my boss was an unbeliever, and it really created a lot of tension at times, and, and I had gotten to the point I was exploring other job opportunities, and, but I just, we continued to pray about it, and every time I'd pray, God would say, stand still, and so that's exactly what I did. I, I just continued to go to work <clears throat> until the day before Thanksgiving, and then I got laid off from my job. <laughs> and you know, for what for most people would be a devastating event, uh, God had been preparing the way for us. Because we'd been praying and really just opening our hands to His will, <laughs> almost immediately we knew God was doing something miraculous to swing that door wide open. And so we begin to pray, and we come to the mind that this, this was a unique opportunity to take this step of faith. So we put our house up for sale. We lived in Bella Vista. And the first family that walked in gave us a full price offer. And so it sold in just no, no time at all. And, and we really wanted to position ourselves where we were free to go, wherever he would send us. And so we sold our possessions. And, and you know, with each step along the way of selling our home and, and our possessions, there was just a great peace that washed over us because we knew we were, we were following God's lead in our lives. And God led us to a mission organization in Colorado Springs, YWAM, for discipleship training this fall, this past fall, before we launched overseas for a gospel outreach to the Middle East for the last three months. And we were ministering to refugee children there at a school. <clears throat> Families that have fled the bordering countries due to the war. And despite the tragedy, God is doing some amazing things in this region of the world. And we're so blessed to share the gospel with those that had never heard the name of Jesus before. On one occasion, I'd like to share with you, as you can imagine, we had a pretty full schedule during the week serving at the school. So the weekends were rest. Thank you, God, for rest. And so we'd take the weekends as a family to spend time. We lived nearby the, the coast there. And so we'd walk along and spend some time on the beach. And we were there one day in particular, and I, as we were walking along, you know, we're, we're foreigners in the Middle East, and it draws a lot of attention. And this young man was very observant of us as we were walking along, so much so, to be honest, it made me nervous. And, uh, but then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God just prompted me, stop. So I stopped, and I told my wife and, and my, my sons and there were a few other team members there with us to go on ahead. And so I went up and introduced myself to this young man in my very broken Arabic and in his very broken English. We began to dialogue a little bit, and, and uh, we, we sat down on the beach, actually, and just began to visit. His name is Ali. He's a Muslim man. He's 20 years old. And he began to share his faith with me. And then he began to ask me questions about my faith. And so I, I asked him, did he ever read the Bible before? And he said, no, I've never read the Bible. So God had prepared me for this moment. I had a, an Arabic translation that I was able to share with him and just begin to share the gospel, who Jesus is and what he's done for us and how that we're saved by him and him alone. And his eyes just lit up, and he was so excited. He just had all kinds of questions. And I was just struck by 
the amazing grace of God to save, to create those divine appointments where we have opportunity to share the gospel with those that have not heard. <clears throat> our time there confirmed the specific calling on our lives as a family to share the gospel through home visits and fellowship and Bible studies. Really just to create, as we can see in the Bible, life-giving community for these people that haven't heard Jesus or read the Bible. Just to invest time in them, spend time eating food and fellowship. And <clears throat> we were serving at the schools I mentioned, and uh, as we got to know them, we actually had opportunities to, to go visit some of their families, to see their living conditions and minister to them in ways we could. And I'd like to share with you one family visit in particular. Uh, there were two boys named Abdul and Muhammad that I got to serve at the school with and, and really got to, got to form a friendship with them. And, and so we had an opportunity to go visit their family, and we were really excited about it. And when we arrived at their, their home, like many of the refugees there, it just consists of tent-like structures. It's typically among the banana plantations just to take cover uh, from the elements. And so when we arrived at the home, um, the kids were really excited to see us. They come running out and greeted us. Uh, the mother of the, the two sons was quite a bit more somber. She, she came out and she was dressed in black, the typical uh, Muslim attire. And she was very sober, and, but she was kind to us and she welcomed us into her home. And so we sat down on the floor and began to sip on some Turkish coffee, which was a, <laughs> a nice benefit for me. I love coffee. And uh, I was so proud of my youngest son. We had rehearsed some scriptures about when you enter into a foreign country to just receive what they give you. And he actually took a sip of the coffee, which was a miracle in itself. <laughs> and we sat there and just visited and listened. And she began to tell us her story of loss, of how they'd fled a, a war-torn country. And they'd lost their home. And they came to this, this place. And, and she's in mourning. They lost their oldest son to the war, 19-year-old son. And you could just tell it was overwhelming her. And so my wife began to minister to her and just proclaim, you know, I can't, we, I can't even imagine what you're going through. We have a son the same age. And at that time, he was across the, the globe from us. And so it was like God really just began to give her some, some compassion, even though we couldn't relate specifically, but we... We could sense the sorrow she was suffering. And Christine asked her if we, she could pray for her. And she said, yeah, that'd be really good. And so uh, we prayed for her and just prayed that God would take that heart of sorrow and give her joy. And we could tell almost immediately after the prayer, her composure was changing and God was just working mightily. And, and it was just a perfect opportunity God gave me uh, to just share the gospel. And I began to proclaim to her, I said, you know, God can relate. He lost his son. In fact, he gave his son for us out of his love. And it was so, so positively received, she, she just hugged my wife and, and asked if we'd come back for dinner. And so the next night, sure enough, we did. We'd come back. And upon a revival, arrival, we were just shocked to see that we'd actually met the husband before a week prior, just to show you how God was at work in this family, he had come to the Friday night meeting, essentially their church there, home church. And he'd come walking in, had a pretty grisly beard, and pretty intimidating to say the least, but he came and sat on the back row, and, and God 
uh, you know, I had an opportunity to share a message that, that night, and, and it was about the hope in Christ, because God's promises are faithful and sure and steadfast. It's an anchor to our soul. And I began to proclaim that, and at the end of the meeting, he came up and asked for prayer. He said, I need hope. I'd like for you to pray for me. And actually shared with us that he had lost his son. Well, little did we know that that night when we came there, and we walked, and, and he, he was there, and he just come up and hugged me, and and the wife was kind of surprised, like, how do you even know this, <laughs> the, you know, my husband here? And so we began to see that God was on the move with his family. And so we enjoyed an amazing feast of local dishes. Uh, it was a spread. They made spaghetti, I guess, to honor us. And so we enjoyed a, a night of fellowship there. And, and at the end of the, uh, the fellowship, my wife began to invite the wife to come to the Friday night meeting. She hadn't been out of the house for over a year. She was just mourning. And, but we know the power of God. And so we asked them if they'd come to the Friday night meeting the next night. And, and she said, thank you so much. And my wife told her, you could sit by me there in their culture. The men sit on one side and the women sit on the other. And, and she said, I, I want you to know if you come, you can sit by me. And so we arrived Friday night for church. And I don't know why I'm so shocked at the amazing things God does again and again. <laughs> but in they walked. The whole family, she wasn't dressed in black, his beard was trimmed, and you could just see a glow on her face of how God was working to restore and to give hope. And they came and sat, and the wife sat down, my wife, and we sat there and worshiped God with just, in Arabic, we, and we had, the message went forth, and we sang praises to God. It was just amazing to see how God works to redeem, to save, to give hope where there's hopelessness. So as I mentioned, our time in the Middle East was amazing to see all the biblical history in this region of the world, but also to see the new things God is doing. You know, before we went there, I always just viewed it as darkness in the Middle East and Islam and those type of things. But when we were there, we began to see the great things God's doing. It was like a bright light shining. And we are back home to visit friends and family and just share those things. Just testify of the goodness of God and His faithfulness. His relentless love, redeeming love, His amazing grace to save. And to share these opportunities for you to partner with us in the spreading of the gospel for those who don't have access. I'd like to read a few verses here in chapter 10 of Romans. Just to share how the, this is accomplished through the church and this plan that God has of the preaching of the gospel. In Romans 10, verse 13 and 15 here. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. He says, How then can they call on Him that they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about Him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So as followers of Jesus, we have all been called to go about our lives sharing the good news of God's plan of salvation. To redeem a people from all nations. God in his wisdom ordained the preaching of the gospel to save souls. 
And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Our God is mighty to save. But how can they call on Jesus if they've not heard of him? And how can they hear about Jesus if no one shares him with them? And how can they share Jesus with them unless they are sent? So as the church, we all play a crucial role in living out the Great Commission. To go, to pray, to preach, to send. We all have a role in this. We prayerfully plan to return to Colorado Springs for additional training this fall for church planning and begin to learn language learning and equipping us as a family in preparation to move to the Middle East early next year. God has been so faithful to lead us one step at a time and to provide all of our needs through the generosity of others investing in the kingdom of God. Thank you for the opportunity to share today. Due to security concerns, we're not able to publicly share pictures of the children and those that we worked with, the believers, the families. While this specific country we served in, it's not illegal to be a Christian. There is ongoing persecution, so we have to be careful. I would love to provide more details of what God's doing in the Middle East after the service if you're interested. Uh, we'll have a newsletter sign-up sheet in the back uh, for you all to jot down your name and contact information. We'd love to share with you as an encouragement and just a proclamation of how great God is of the things that he continues to do. <clears throat> and we encourage you to be actively involved in the Great Commission. And as I stated, one of the greatest ways you can partner with us is, is in prayer. So I would ask that you would consider partnering with us in the ministry of the gospel towards the Middle East. So I'd like to close with a scripture in Revelations that I've been meditating on for the last few weeks. This is in Revelations 5, chapter 5, verse 9. He says, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people. One of my favorite highlights, if you will, of the trip was to hear new believers in a language like Arabic, which I associated before with just evil, honestly, but to hear new believers pray and worship God in their own tongue. It was amazing. It was amazing. So I honestly can't even imagine the beautiful song of the redeemed that will be sung in every language. Thank you for your time today. And we consider it a great privilege together with you and worship to God together because He alone is worthy of all of our praise.